Good morning, everyone. For those of you who are watching on our Facebook page, those of you who are watching on our YouTube channel, we want to welcome you and just thank you again for for being here with us today. As you're turning your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 8, we're going to continue uh, building on last week's message. And for a topic or a title for this week's message is the results of Stephen's death. Now, before we go into the message, before we dive into it, we do want to add to the prayer request that Brother Curley had shared with us a little earlier. Uh, we want to add Miss Bessie Harden to our prayer list. We want to be, uh, pray for her for she's been undergoing some tests for some time now and her doctors asked her to come in for some more tests. So let's be much in prayer for Miss Bessie. So again, as we now turn our attention to the book of Acts in chapter 8 verses 1 through 8 for today's message, we we want to focus our thoughts and our attention on the results of Stephen's death. And while you're turning there, I want to share this with you. Um, many of our sisters and brothers are persecuted, even in our own time. Voice of Martyrs, it, they report that, for an example, the experience of a young man named Philip who lives in Laos. Philip walked two hours to another village to hear the gospel. And just three weeks after he returned home as a new believer, police paid him a visit. They told him that many religions, that he, they told him that any religion other than Buddhism is strictly forbidden. They're in the region where they live. They accused him of embracing the faith of foreigners and warned him that things were sure to go badly for him. Sometime later, the authorities pressed him to sign a document renouncing this newfound faith. He refused, and before long, his neighbors, who were incited by the local government, killed his livestock. They began to harass his children, and Philip and his family had to move to another village. Asked why he remained a Christian when it caused him such difficulty, he said, my people are in darkness, worshiping they know not what, and they are enslaved in their sin. I must tell them that Jesus, the only one who can save them from the destruction that awaits them. Others like Philip have suffered for the loss, suffered the loss of their jobs, the loss of property. Some have even been rejected by their own family and friends. And many have been murdered for their faith in Christ. Whenever we take a stand for Jesus Christ, we can be sure that persecution will not be far from it. As a matter of fact, I, I'm, I'm seeing more and more that the more we glorify God and the more God is pleased with us, the more the world wants to come against us and the world will attack us. 
Uh, if we look in this passage today, we, we will see that something glorifying to God has taken place. And we covered that last week as Stephen stood in the face of death. And as Stephen um, glorified God in the way that he gave his life for the gospel, we see what now transpires immediately following for the church. So look with us as we look in verses 1 through 8 in chapter 8 of the book of Acts. The Bible says now Saul was consenting to his death. His being Stephen's. At that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to be buried and, and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. This is... God's holy word. Pray with us. God, we so thank you for this day you've given us. We thank you for your love and your grace that has been bestowed upon us. And God, we come before you now needing you. God, if we've ever needed you, we need you in this day in which we are living right now. God, we know that there's trouble in this land. Everywhere we turn, we can see trouble coming our way. But we know that your son gave his life so that the church could be birthed and the church could, could be the example that you would have us to be. And God, we pray that you would help us to do exactly what you would want us to do. We, we pray, God, that we would glorify your name and that in the face of persecution or whatever comes our way, that, God, we would forever stand. It, forever stand on, on the promises that you've given us. That we would forever stand on, on the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. And, God, that we would share it with this lost and dying world. God, help us in this day in which we live. Help us to proclaim your word and we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Last week, we shared Stephen's example of how to stand in the face of death. And Stephen stood in the face of death because he dared to proclaim the gospel. However, the religious leaders rejected the message of the gospel. As they rejected the message, they further rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah. So in essence, Israel's religious leaders 
in killing Stephen set in motion what we read in John's gospel in chapter 1 verses 10 through 13 where he being Jesus Christ was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him he came to his own and his own did not receive him but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor of the will of flesh nor of the will of man but of God we see this coming to fruition right here as we look upon this passage Stephen's death ushered in an attempt to utterly silence and destroy the church. And in turn, the church came, became open to whosoever will. When we look here, what we will find is, the, is Stephen's death resulted in the persecution of the church. As we approach this passage, we can't help but notice it begins by informing us that Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. Uh, if we remember from last week, as the religious leaders cast Stephen out of the city to stone him. The witnesses uh, that were there uh, watching what was taking place, they laid down their clothes at Saul's feet. Well, now we read Saul approved of how the religious leaders handled Stephen. In other words, Saul approved or Saul was pleased um, that Stephen was silenced and that he was no longer able to to share a message that was contrary to Judaism. Saul, being such a zealous Jewish man, was actually insulted by any teaching that contradicted or that was different from what he had been taught. As a matter of fact, Saul would later describe himself as... In his letter to the Galatian church in chapter 1 verses 13 through 14, we hear what, how Saul described himself as he was a believer so strongly and he was so zealous in Judaism. He said, I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers because Saul believed his fathers because Saul was wrapped up in the law because Saul believed in the way of Judaism so much that none, that anything that contradicted it Saul wanted it destroyed and seeing his this follower of Jesus Christ killed actually pleased him and I'm at a position in life or I'm at a time in my own life to where I just don't understand how we the people of God can ever be pleased when someone is killed when someone dies unjustly or someone even dies justly how can we be pleased? How can we be satisfied when someone goes off into eternity? How can we be satisfied with that death? Thinking that it betters the world. 
Now, I understand there's men and there are women who are, are so criminal in their activity. They are so ungodly in the things that they've done. They seem to be so possessed by Satan and the things that they're doing in this world when it comes to murder, when it comes to the exploitation of children, when it comes to rape and other heinous crimes. We see that, that through our flesh that, that maybe their existence should no longer exist. But I want to tell you, we should should be crying out for mercy. We should be crying out for the grace of God to come upon them so that they would have an opportunity to know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. For Stephen's death, it was much better for Stephen to go off into eternity than to stay in this world because he left here preaching the word of God. But when we watch people dying Without knowing Jesus is their savior, it ought to break our heart. But for Saul, he was pleased. He was pleased that there was one less voice crying out on behalf of Jesus Christ in this world. It appears that immediately following Stephen's death, a violent persecution of the church was launched. We find in verse 1... That at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was in Jerusalem. Because of the persecution, many of the believers, they left Jerusalem, leaving the church or, or, or not. I'm not talking about running away from the church. I'm talking about leaving the area. They left the body scattered throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. However, what we find is the apostles stayed. And at that time, they were left alone by the religious leaders. Now, now this could have happened for a combination of things. The scripture doesn't say exactly why they left them alone. But, but we can think that probably this com there was a combination of, of things we find in, in chapter 4 and verse 21 that, that arresting the apostles would cause an uprising. Uh, among the people. And these religious leaders were aware of it. We find there, Acts 4 21, the Bible says so, when they had further threatened them, threatening Peter and John, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because the people, since they all glorified God for what they had done. So they knew that if they persecuted these these apostles, that there would be an uprising or there could possibly be a great uprising by the people. Not only that, they could have, these religious leaders could have remembered the, the, the advice given to them by Gamaliel. When we look there in chapter 5, verses 34 through 40, basically what Gamaliel tells the religious leaders is to leave these men alone. Leave them alone because if what they were doing what they were saying was of men, then we wouldn't have to worry about them. It's going to go away anyhow. However, if what they were doing and the things that they were saying was of God, there was no way that the religious leaders could stop. God and what God wanted to take place. So it appears here that Gamaliel's advice was very similar to the command that David gave his, his men as it related to an opportunity when David had to kill Saul, when Saul was actually trying to kill David. David told his men not to touch God's anointed. And we read that in 1 Samuel 26 and 9, which says, but David said to Abishai, 
Do not destroy him for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. Here, here we find in this text that the, the apostles were left alone. That some good advice had been given to these religious leaders. Leave these men alone. For if they are of themselves and they're doing what they're doing, saying what they're saying because of their own flesh, then just leave them alone. It'll, it'll fade out. But if it's of God, don't you touch them. You can't stop them anyway. You know what was taking place here? The only organized church at that time was in the church of Jerusalem. In the midst of the of severe persecution, had the apostles left, there would not have been anyone to lead the church through a time when believers were being imprisoned when they, and when they were being scattered. Had there not have been a strong, faithful leadership in place, people may have, have become too discouraged to continue on. The apostles were needed for that moment to stay right there in Jerusalem. And it was important that they didn't run off. It's important they didn't leave the church because things were getting hard. Instead, they stayed and, and they were used by the Holy Spirit of God to keep the church together. And, and we may be facing some, some kind of uh, we may not be facing this particular kind of persecution today, but however, church leaders and, and pastors, they are facing persecution. And the persecution comes in many forms and many, and many styles. And often we will take it as a sign that it's time to move on. But I've learned and I, that, that just because things are getting hard, it's not a time to leave. Friends and family, I'm learning more and more that when things get hard, it's God revealing to us that we need to look to him. As a matter of fact, Psalm 46 and 1 tells us God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And it's only when we look to him that we will be able to bloom where it is that he's planted us. He had an easy thing to do when things get hard. It's to pack our bags and, and go somewhere else. And many pastors, once it gets hard, they say, well, God's telling me to get away from here. God's telling me that, that, that it's time because they want some sort of cakewalk. Well, Christianity is not a cakewalk. Leading people is not a cakewalk. And i am come to understand that if we'll just turn to God, God will take care of what we need him to take care of. Make no mistake, it was very hard for these first century Christians. For this first century church, things were extremely hard. The Bible says that Saul made havoc of the church. In other words, he was trying to destroy the church. Verse 3 tells us that he, he stormed in the homes of believers, breaking down doors, seeking every believer in every house. He arrested all that he could find, using whatever force was necessary to arrest them. As a matter of fact, the scriptures state that, that he was dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Now we have to wonder why. Why Saul was so determined to destroy the church? Could it have anything to do with what he saw and consented to? He consented to Stephen being stoned to death for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Etched in, 
in Saul's memory was Stephen dying while praying to God not to hold this sin committed against him to their account. Could Saul, could Saul have been trying to rid himself of this memory by trying to just destroy the church? By silencing every Christian, by doing away with the gospel of Jesus Christ, would that had, had just removed that memory that Saul had? Think about it. For years down the road, Saul would not have heard the gospel if he could destroy the church anymore. So he wouldn't be reminded of what Stephen had preached. Now, before you ask, how could destroying the church help him to forget? I'm not saying that it would. But it seems to be the form of thinking even today. How many of us, before we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, were guilty of experiencing the conviction of the Holy Spirit? And instead of surrendering and turning to God, we dove deeper into sin, trying to run away from the conviction that we were experiencing. How many of us have testified that we ran from the Lord until we just couldn't run anymore? How many of us have said we, we sunk so low that all we could do was look up? How many times have we heard that sin will take you further than you? want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. This happens when we try to run away from the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. John 16 and 8 tells us and when he has come speaking of the Holy Spirit when he has come he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's his job to convict us. And we have a tendency to want to run away from that conviction. And it seems like that's what's going on in the world today when we have political leaders trying to silence the church. We have people coming against and trying to stop us from praying. When we, when they're telling us in our schools that not only can we not pray in the school during the day, but we can't even pray at sporting events. I'm telling you, the world's coming against us because they know that they're on their way to a demon's hell if they don't change and they don't want to be reminded of the gospel. You who have not surrendered yet surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you that resisting the Holy Spirit will cause you to be miserable with your life. And, you, and I can assure you that if you're miserable, then you're making everyone around you miserable. Let me encourage you that, that when you experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit, do not run from it, but surrender to it. Acknowledge you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world and receive him as your Lord and Savior and you will be forgiven of your sins. I can assure you that it's not an easy thing to resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it seemed to have sent Paul down a destructive road. So destructive that he was determined to persecute the church. This passage shows us Stephen's death resulted in the persecution of the church. But also, it resulted in a widespread preaching of the gospel. 
the first century believers were not just scattered. But everywhere they were scattered, everywhere they went, they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. These believers were not running and hiding. Instead, they were evangelizing. We need to notice that earlier we said that the apostles were scattered, but they but they stayed in Jerusalem. So those who were evangelizing were not the apostles. Hmm. Those who were evangelizing were not licensed and ordained ministers. No, they were lay members or church or Christians who had understood that they had passed from death into life. And it is critical to the evangelism of our communities that, that we as Christians live our lives remembering that we've been brought out of darkness and into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. And, and this itself should be enough to motivate us that... that Folks, we who've been washed in the blood of the Lamb of God, those of us whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life, that in itself should motivate us enough to do the work of an evangelist. We should be willing, we should be eager to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone we come in contact with that is lost. Not because that's what God's called me to do, but because we once were lost. We were once dead. We were once blind. But now we are found. Now we're see. And now we are alive. We should want everyone we come in contact with to experience what we've experienced. Last week, some of us were talking here on Sunday morning about a young woman whose life was prematurely and tragically taken in an automobile accident. And one of our members made me so proud. His statement was, when I found out where the accident took place, I wished I could have been there at the time of the accident so that I could have asked her, did she know Jesus Christ before she died? And I'm sure there may be some others that would have done that, but, but I want us to understand that should have been what any Christian coming up on that accident should have desired to do. Any Christian coming up on any accident, we should desire to find out before they take their last breath do they know Jesus as their Savior. When we come in contact with any lost person anywhere, we should want them to know before we leave their presence that there's a God in glory who loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to this sin-cursed world to give us life. So that we could spend an eternity with him. He died and he was rejected. So we would not be rejected by our father. Our heavenly father. God turned his back on him so he wouldn't turn his back on us. He tasted death so we would not have to face death. 
but we would just go to sleep and wake up in eternity. Yes, we should not allow unsaved men and women, boys and girls, to leave our presence without presence without knowing that Jesus loves them. He died for them and that he will save them. Stephen's death ushered in the persecution of the church and the persecution of the church ushered in a widespread evangelism of the gospel. Acts 1 and 8 tells us, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here, we, we need to understand this. If we don't get nothing else from this message, get this. The power to share the gospel with the lost is in you if you know Jesus is your Savior because the Holy Spirit has come to reside in you. Because he resides in you, you have everything that you need to be a witness of Jesus Christ. It appears that it was in the midst of this great persecution that the first revival took place. God used the pers this persecution to move his followers of Jesus Christ out of Jerusalem. As they went into Judea and Samaria through the power of the Holy Spirit. They demonstrated the reality of this salvation. And no matter what form of persecution came their way. They had both the hope and power to continue to live for and to share Jesus Christ. And I want to remind us that whatever comes our way. We have a hope that the world didn't give us and the world can't take away. We have a power living inside of us that can take us through whatever it is that we may have to face. Some of us are truly concerned with this virus. And to an extent, we should be. While I'm following the guidelines to the best of my ability, my faith and hope doesn't rest in physicians. My faith and hope doesn't rest in so-called experts. My faith and hope doesn't rest in masks and, and uh, hand sanitizer and disinfectant. No, my faith and hope, it rests in Jesus Christ. And right now, it seems that the world is trying to silence the church. Through this pandemic. But God is still in control. And he, we can trust him. We now as much or more than ever need to be a witness for Jesus Christ. In the midst of this pandemic. In the midst of the unrest that our country is facing. In the midst of this election that's coming up. We the church must demonstrate that our faith is genuine. And our faith lies in God, not man. As a matter of fact, first, um, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ in the midst of troubling times folks if we are on one accord heeding the word of God we will continue to see lives changed what kind of change will we see the miracle of salvation it will take place in people's lives. We'll see the unclean spirit of darkness flee from them. And they be 
they've been grafted by the light of Jesus Christ. We'll see the lame to walk. We'll see, hear the dumb to talk. We'll see even in the midst of persecution, joy in the land. We'll see Romans 8 and 28 truly come to fruition. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We can't see beyond the moment that we're in. But I believe the word of God and God's working all that we're having to go through. He's working it out for our good and for his glory. This pandemic, when we look back, when everything is said and done and we look back, we'll say it was for our good and his glory. This unrest in the country, when we look back, we'll say it was for our good and for his glory. Even this election that's coming up, I don't know what he's going to do through the election. He may curse us or he may bless us, but through it all, we're going to find that it'll be for our good and for his glory. I'm believing and I'm trusting in his word. Oh, when we see what took place, how Stephen died at the hands of men who were angry because he declared the word of God. Persecution broke out through the church. But it didn't silence the church. While the, while the people may have scattered, the word of God went with them. And they evangelized wherever it was that they were at. Oh, don't let what we're facing silences. Let's continue to share the gospel. And if you are listening and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to hear the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus, the Son of God, was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. He left the portals of glory and come to this sin-cursed world and he come through a woman born as you were. But he grew and he lived a sinless life. He was obedient unto his father and for that they persecuted him. They, they illegally tried him. They beat him. They nailed him to an old rugged cross. They suspended him between heaven and earth. And on that cross, he gave his life. The Bible says he shed his blood. If you look that up, he poured out his blood for the remission of our sin. And he gave his life so that we could have life. They placed him in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, he conquered death, hell in the grave, and he came out of the tomb under his own power. And today, he's alive and well, standing at the right hand of the Father, waiting, ready and waiting, the Father to say, go get your bride. The only reason you're still alive today, the only reason this world is intact today is God is waiting on you. He's waiting on you.
Oh, if you believe Jesus is the Savior of the world, if you believe he's God's only son, that he died for your sins, you can be part of the body of Christ. You can be part of his church. But you have to acknowledge that you're lost. And if you die lost, hell will be your home. You have to acknowledge your need for a Savior and that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Ask God to forgive you of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible declares that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Folks, he will in no wise cast you out, but he'll receive you just as you are. And the truth is he loves you so much that he won't leave you just as you are, but he'll begin a work in you that he will complete. Oh, it won't be complete while we're walking around here on earth. God's not finished with me yet. He's still working on me. But there's coming a day when he'll bring us to himself and we'll be the completed work of God as he would have us to be. Would you today? Would you right now receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Ask him into your life. And come and share that you've been saved. Oh, we have several ways that you can do that. You can do that through the comments on our Facebook page. There's comment sections on YouTube. You can, you can inbox our Facebook page and we'll get the message. You can call the church and leave a message. You can share with your friends. And tell them to share it with those of us who, who are part of this congregation. And we'll rejoice with you. If you'll pray with me. This simple prayer. And you mean it from the heart. I believe God will forgive you. And today you can be saved. God. I acknowledge I'm lost and I'm in need of a savior. God, I ask that you would forgive me of all my sins. And right now, through faith, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and savior. Oh God, I thank you. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for sending me a savior. Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. And now being Lord of my life. Help me as I walk in this newness of life. To be who you would have me to be. And when I fall, pick me up. Set my feet on the solid rock. And Lord, lead me each and every step of the way. Thank you. I love you. And I praise you. In Jesus name. If you prayed this prayer. And you meant it. Sincerely in your heart. While the choir closes us out. With a song of invitation. How about sending a message to us. Share with us. If you know me. And you have my number. Send me a text. Or give me a call. 
and we'll celebrate with you. Oh, out of time of rejoicing, because if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now, the angels in heaven are rejoicing and we want to join in. Again, we, Reedy Branch, we thank you. We praise you. We, we give you praise and glory and honor for loving God and knowing him as your Lord and Savior. But God, we give all praise and glory and honor to you. For God, you are worthy. No man is worthy of what belongs to you. So God, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for loving us and taking care of us and giving to us what we couldn't give ourselves. Now God, move and minister in the hearts of each one that is listening. And we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Reedy Branch, we look forward to seeing you soon. We pray that the doors will soon open up and we can come together and worship as a family together. May God bless you.